And then I would start thinking, you know, the glute bridge, everyone does body weight glute bridges for glute activation. That's a good exercise, but it needs more weight. So then I thought about how, how could you load it? And then I thought, how could you get more range of motion? Because it's a short range. How could you get more range? And then that's when the hip thrust was born. And, and I went out that night to my garage and tar- right after the fight, I went out and started experimenting. Hi, I'm Pete McCall. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. That voice you heard in the beginning is a guest for this episode, Dr. Brett Contreras, otherwise known as the Glute Guy. Now, one quick note about, well, two quick notes about this episode, actually. Number one, this is a rerun episode. I originally ran this a couple years ago, and I originally, this episode I did a little differently. And, And what I did with this episode, number one, I wrote an article about the barbell hip thrust. That's the exercise that Brett helped develop and popularize. But I wrote an article about the barbell hip thrust, and the link to the article will be down below in the show notes. It'll help you understand the benefits and the mechanics of doing the exercise. But Brett created that exercise, and I interviewed Brett for the article that I was writing for the American Council on Exercise. And now with Brett's permission, I turned that interview, I recorded that interview on my phone, which will explain the recording quality. But I recorded that interview on my phone, and then I did something unique that I don't do that often. I think I've only done it one or two other times. But what I do is I, I cut into the conversation that Brett and I are having because, to be honest, we got a little bit of we- into the weeds on the research. Brett did his PhD research on the hip thrust. So in our conversation today, I cut in a couple times to help you understand some of the things that we're talking about. We talk about force plates. We talk about EMG readings. We, we talk about some geeky stuff that, and, and some of the research that Brett did to validate the barbell hip thrust. Anyway, a, a, as you know, I'm putting up a couple previous episodes but if you haven't heard this before, it's new to you. This is Brett Contreras. He wrote, he wrote a book called The Glute Lab. And if you want to understand training glutes, Brett's the guy to go to. You can follow his Instagram feed, The Glute Guy. I'll have that down below in the show notes. And Brett really is one of the smarter dudes in our industry. And one of the interesting things, he looks at things a different way. With that, you know what? Great interview, great conversation. And again, I cut in a couple times to help explain some of the nitty-gritty details about two, because listen, you're going to hear two exercise physiology geeks kind of geeking out about the science and physiology of training your glutes. Here we are, Brett Contreras, the glute guy, author of the glute lab book and owner of the studio called the glute lab talking about, you guessed it, the best way to train your glutes. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just a quick note about the quality of the recording. I caught up with Brett using my cell phone, so I was using a recording app. I was not in a studio, but hey, it's not about the quality. It's about the content. This is going to be some great content, so listen closely with Brett Contreras. Uh, how you doing today? Very good. Just a little uh, running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But <laughs> hey, that's, that's always the case. Hey, as I was writing the article, the main thing that, that came to mind, Brett, was how did you get the idea to load the glute? Because the glute bridge has been around for a while. What gave you the idea to, to load the glute bridge to make the hip thrust? So uh, this all happened when I was watching a UFC fight, and uh, it's coming up on the 14th year anniversary. It was October 12th, 2006. It was Tito Ortiz versus Ken Shamrock their third fight, and, you know, I, I didn't care who won. I just wanted it to be a good fight, and I, Tito mounts him right away and is dominating him, and, I'm, and, I, and it occurred to me, you know, you see a lot of fighters that will just kind of lay there, and they won't try to escape. They won't bridge up, and I thought, you know, maybe if there was an exercise to strengthen that motion, more, more it, would, it would benefit that. And then I would start thinking, you know, the glute bridge, everyone does body weight glute bridges for glute activation. That's a good exercise, but it needs more weight. So then I thought about how, how could you load it? And then I thought, how could you get more range of motion? Because it's a short range. How could you get more range? And then that's when the hip thrust was born. And, and I went out that night to my garage and tar- right after the fight, I went out and started experimenting. Now, that's an interesting story. I, I like that because a lot of people don't know how exercises are made, right? We don't know what caused the inspiration. So to hear that Brett was inspired by an MMA match to develop or – and the glute bridge is something people are always doing. But to get that moment of inspiration say, hey, we can load that to make that stronger, that's pretty cool stuff. And I didn't even know that. So that's a really cool backstory for the hip thrust. That is – I didn't realize that. That's That's pretty cool. And so – since then, obviously, you coach a lot of figure athletes, and, you, and you, you're very popular for working with figure athletes for the glutes. But what got you, and I mean this, you have to understand, I mean this in, in the biggest and serious way possible from a biomechanical standpoint. What got you interested in the glutes, and what got you interested in really understanding the glutes? So I will tell you two stories that kind of traumatized me from, you know, <laughs> adolescent years, you know. My friends were, you know, you go through puberty and some friends develop more than others. And I was a skinny kid. And so I started, I started lifting weights because I hated being so skinny, but I didn't know how to work my glutes. I mean, it's not something you could see. Bodybuilding magazines still don't have a glute day for men. It's always the same thing. It's huh. for bodybuilders. It's body part splits. It's you have your chest and tricep day, your back and bicep day, your, your shoulder day, your leg day, and your arm day. And the leg day is quads and hams. And yeah, if you say, well, what about glutes? They go, oh, they get worked when you train your legs. You know, you, you do your squats, your lunges, your stiff leg deadlifts. The glutes get worked just fine. And for some guys, yes, if you have good glute genetics, yeah. But 
for a lot of people that doesn't cut it and they they're they don't have nearly the the glute development they could if they trained it specifically like they do with every other muscle group you know there's not a muscle group guys don't train directly you know your traps get big from deadlifts and military press they still do shrugs you know your arms might get big from chin-ups and dips and close grip bench and rows but they still do biceps and triceps it's weird that they didn't do that for glutes and so um i had uh, basically when i was in high school i these three girls whom i had a crush on and i was listening to them they were like the pretty girls and I was listening to say, let's go, let's go watch football practice. I love watching the guys in their outfits. I love staring at their butts. And I was like, oh shoot, like <laughs> I'm screwed. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm gonna be a virgin till uh, till I'm 40 years old if I don't figure out how to get some glute development. <laughs> and uh, and I didn't know how. So like I was like, I can do push-ups for my chest. I can do curls. But back then, I didn't feel. I felt squats in my quads. I felt deadlifts in my low back you know we didn't have the internet back then so i didn't have a coach or i didn't really know how to how to really check my form we didn't have cameras really so it's like you couldn't just video your form and compare it so now for regular listeners you know that that my focus for all about fitness is not bodybuilding it's not aesthetics my focus is on quality of life in having this conversation, though, I never really thought about that because, yeah, when you look at the traditional squats and deadlifts, you get a lot of assistance out of your quadriceps. I mean, quadriceps help extend the knees. You get assistance from your hamstrings, even on the way up. You know, so there really wasn't a way. You had some machines that would kind of target the glutes, but there really wasn't a way to target the glute as an isolation muscle. You know, because normally when you look at, the, the, at how the glutes are used in a lot of these exercises, they're used as a compound. They help with the movement. So what Brett's talking about is there really was, you know, you can do biceps for, you know, you can do curls for the biceps, you can do flies to isolate the chest, but there really wasn't an effective way to isolate both glutes at the same time in this loading pattern. So being able to load the hip thrust kind of created a whole new way to isolate the glutes, which is something that, you know, kind of happened by accident. Yeah, that, that was one story. And then another, I was playing golf with my sister's boyfriend. I think I was around 16 years old and I went to swing the golf club and he's like, he's behind me and he's like, you know, Brett, you have no glute muscles. It's like your back goes right into your legs with no, no, you know, bump or protuberance. It's like you're missing those muscles. And I was just, I was so mortified hearing that because I knew it, but I'm like, I'm just not okay with this. And so I started studying up and reading up on the glutes and trying to learn everything I could. That is so, and it's so funny. You have that story because it was Sarah Grazer and Maribel Dizon, I think, in uh, freshman science class, they're talking about the soccer players and the soccer players' legs. And ever since then, Brett, I've been focused on leg training. Well, I heard the two girls in science <laughs> class talking about legs. That is 100% true. If anybody is listening, uh, if anybody listening, went to, we went to high school together. It was I went to Blair High School in Silver Spring. And it was freshman science class. I remember Nick Muse was sitting in the front row. And Nick was a kid I grew up with who was a stud soccer player, great soccer player. And it was Nick Muse. And then in the row behind him, it was Sarah and uh, Maribel. And I was sitting behind them. And they were talking about Nick. And they were pointing out, and Sarah was pointing out Nick's legs and go, oh, I love soccer players' legs. And, yep, ever since then, leg training has been an important part of my fitness program. So, guys, make sure you do your leg day. Yo, forget chest, forget back. 
you know, I, I heard that message very loud and clear that women pay more attention to legs than they do. That's, that's such a funny <laughs> Now, you yeah. did your Ph.D. work. You did your Ph.D. work looking at the hip thrust, and I've read a couple of your research studies. When you started studying it, what really, what surprised you about, what, what was it, when you started quantifying the movement, what surprised you? Did anything surprise you, and, and what did? Absolutely. Uh, we did a, I never published this. I should publish it, but it's a fourth place study. And we found that uh, basically uh, when people do hip thrust, okay, when you do squats, uh, you use similar amounts of force on the way up compared to the way down. Sorry, I should say on the way down compared to the way up. Think about it. You don't just let all your muscles go during a squat and dive bomb it and then just power it back up. You will control the weight on the way down, right? So according to my research, um, after you take like the momentum out of things, you will use around just around 10% less force during the lowering eccentric phase compared to the rising or concentric phase, right? So you have pretty consistent tension on the muscles throughout the whole squat, whereas uh, uh, like in terms of the lowering and, and rising phase, whereas with the hip thrust, I'm sure you could coach the hip thrust to like lower it slowly, but people don't do that. They kind of let gravity take it, let the weight kind of fall. They lift it themselves. So you use three times more force, concentric force, as you do eccentric force in a hip thrust. So it's more of a concentric, kind of a shorter range concentric motion, whereas the squat is more of a longer range motion exercise. Okay, so what Brett is talking about is lengthening, eccentric lengthening is when a muscle is lengthening under resistance. So if you're standing up for a squat and you have the bar on your shoulders and you start lowering towards the floor, then the muscles under tension are going to be primarily the glutes and the quadriceps as they're lengthening under load. Now, when you shorten the muscles, that's called concentric. So when he says concentric, he's referring to muscle shortening. Now, when you look at the way, if you look at a squat, a squat is loaded vertically, and it's not, it doesn't load the glute the same way. And so what he's talking about with the hip thrust is if you're laying on the back and the bar is across, if you're laying on your back, your feet on the floor, and, you're, and your shoulders up on, on a bench or, 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 or elevated up, and the bars across your hips, concentrically is when your muscle is shortening, you want to snap your hips up. You want to explode your hips up. You want to press your hips, you want to press your heels into the floor, push your heels into the floor, and snap your hips up. Because the glutes are type 2 muscle fiber. They respond best to explosion or rapid training along with heavy load. So this is something. And, and the other thing to, to, to pay attention to here is force plates. You, is, you measure force output by having somebody stand on a force plate and push into the force plate. You can measure force output. You can measure, measure jumping. You can estimate vertical jump. So force plates are one way to measure muscle force output, usually with the feet in contact with the ground. Another way to, muscle, muscle, to measure muscle force output is EMG. So EMG measures the electrical output in the muscle. So Brett tested this two ways, one using a force plate and another way using EMG or measuring the electrical stimulus on muscle when it's being activated during an exercise. And then you look at EMG and it's like, okay, hip growth looks better in terms of the EMG profile, but you look at the force plate research and it's like the squat looks superior. And then you look at the training studies and you're like, okay, they're good for different things. Squats a little bit better for jumping um, and squatting motions, whereas the hip thrust seems to be a little bit better for uh, hip thrusting and for uh, like horizontal base, like horizontal jumping and acceleration 
and pushing forward. Um, and so that, that's why it's so cool having different types of research where you can look at mechanisms like EMG and force plate, and then you can look at uh, uh, longitudinal outcomes, like training outcomes when you do training studies. But anyone who looked at my thesis would come to the conclusion that you need to do both exercises to, to fully to develop full hip strength and, and functional outcomes and performance outcomes. Now, what I like about this and what's important is, is Brett is acknowledging the research that shows that the two different exercises, the squat and the hip thrust, do use the muscles differently. They do load the muscles differently. They use the joints differently. So he's acknowledging that based on his studies, you know, that, hey, if you want total hip strength, you need to do the thrust and the squat. So that's that's always refreshing to hear because sometimes people that are aligned with maybe a particular product or a particular type of thing, they get so beholden to that product or to that technique that they don't open up their eyes to other evidence. So it's really refreshing to hear somebody say, yeah, this is good, but it's not the only thing you should be doing. So keep that in mind as we go forward here. And that's an important, yeah, that's an important clarification because it really surprised me when I first, when I read the, the couple studies, um, you're a co-author on one of them, on the hip thrust being, being great or being biomechanically better than the squat for sprinting. Was that something that kind of, was that a, was that a shock to you? Because, because most people think of the hip thrust as more of an aesthetic exercise, but according to some of the data, it looks like it could be a good performance movement as well. This is a great question. So it's been this, so, so no, that didn't surprise me. I hypothesized that based on my analysis of force vectors, and I was talking all about force vectors back in the day, and in the, in the, as, as I was a popular blogger, and it made sense. Like, look, you want to get good at pushing upwards and squat. You want to get good at pushing forwards and hip thrust. And you need to train the different vectors. There's anteroposterior, there's axial, there's lateral medial, there's uh, torsional, rotational. And in sports, we do all these things, so we should have special exercise for every one of them. And that was kind of even accepted before there was any research to, to, to lend support to it. And then my study was published, and it was the first one lending support to it. And then the next two studies that came out were uh, looking at, basically, they just looked at the hip thrust, and they showed that it didn't transfer to, you know, it didn't improve speed at all. And I'm like, what? You know, this is bizarre. How does that happen? They get way stronger at the hip thrust, and they didn't get faster. Now, unfortunately, they didn't have any comparison, like, it was just the hip thrust. They didn't compare it to, like, a squat using the same protocol. So at that point, it was kind of like, okay, there's one study in favor, two against. But then you can kind of look at the two studies against, and you're like, okay, maybe they should have had a tapering phase. Maybe it's the speed because the one was a very slow. It was like two seconds up, one second pause, you know, four seconds on the way down. No one does a six-second repetition for hip thrust. It's a very slow movement. In real life, you do it fast. You do like, you know, you can do like 15 reps in 20 seconds. It's a rapid movement in real life. So, so that, that's, like, sorry, can, real quick, that's an evidence of train slow, be slow, right? I mean, kind of a slower movement. Kind of, yeah. There's, there's a lot of evidence in, in like velocity specificity. So, Okay, to me, this is what fascinated me about the hip thrust. and Because what, what the research showed is that the angle of force production for sprinting is a front to back, is an anterior to posterior. So if somebody's sprinting, they need to generate a lot of force pushing behind them to accelerate their body forward in an anterior direction. 
the hip thrust, because of the way it loads the glute muscles into extension, it seems to be biomechanically a better exercise for that when compared to the squat, just the way it loads it. So when you look at the loading vector, and a vector is just a linear force application. It's how we show a line of force. So the vector for a squat is going vertical against gravity, and so it's loading more the quadriceps as opposed to the glutes for hip extension. And we are, when somebody's laying on their back with, with the bar across their hips for the hip thrust, it's a different anterior front to back where it's an axial load, a vertical load in, in squatting. So it comes down to a, more, to a more specific application of how does the joint work. And that was something interesting about testing. So what he's talking about is the different parameters of if you go slower. So if you do a slower tempo, three or four seconds lengthening, one or two seconds shortening, you're not developing the speed at which the motor units contract. Because motor units are those little light switches that turn on the muscle fibers. And if you move at a faster pace, the motor units will will we'll charge, will we'll turn on faster. And so that's really what we want to do for sports performance. Aesthetics might be different, but for performance, we want quick explosive movements to activate all the fibers. Was it that it's the hip thrust or that they did slow? And then the other study was that they, that they didn't do a tapering phase. They crushed these people for like eight straight weeks and then, ah. and then had them test them right afterwards. Or, 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 or maybe it's just the hip thrust isn't that good of a speed exercise. Now, Two more studies came out that were like my original study, looking at squats compared to hip thrusts, and they have the same findings as mine. Ver- squats are a little bit ver- better for vertical performance measures, hip thrusts a little bit better for horizontal, like horizontal jumping and sprinting and acceleration. So now it's like, but, but then all three studies that show support, like mine, are all in kind of like younger uh younger like like adolescent or or teenage male athletes so maybe this is more prominent with less trained individuals or maybe not we we the answer with anything scientific is always we need more research but it does appear that there is evidence of the force vector hypothesis and that hypnosis are a little bit better than these but, but you know there's five studies we need 20 and then we'll have a good grip on things See, I, I love this, Brett. What I love, Brett, is, is when I have guests on the show, when I have guests on the podcast, is even you have a PhD, man, and, and you're well-known and you're popular, but you're still saying we don't know. We need more evidence. And it's funny because the people like you, they have the degrees, they're smarter. You guys give less definitive answers, whereas somebody that might not know much that might be an Instagram superstar will give you the most definitive answer. Yes, you have to yeah. do this. You know yep. what I mean? And it's, now, finally, to wrap up, because I appreciate your time, a lot of, my, a lot of the listeners of the show tend to be you know, over the age of 35 and 40. And personally, I like the hip thrust for this age range because it reduces strain on the back. Do you think the hip thrust is something that people should look at if they're in their 40s and 50s? Is it something they should be adding to their program if, they haven't, if they're not doing it already? Absolutely. And, and here's the thing. It's like with every movement. It's not just doing the movement. It's, it's how you do it. And if you do it the way I teach on my, you know, on my Instagram and my, and my YouTube videos, my, my more recent ones, because the form has evolved over the years, you know. But if you do it the way I teach, there are so few injuries. In fact, I've never had a single injury ever teaching the hip thrust. And, and at my gym, we've had... At Glue Lab in San Diego, we've had thousands of clients doing them over the last, you know, two, two, two years, two and a half years. And, you know, 
no, no injuries, not a single injury. So it is so safe when you know how to coach it, when you know how to teach it. I encourage everyone to do it. And just like with everything else, you can always find a variation that works, you know? It's, it's, you might not like this variation, but this other one works good for you. So, um, Hey, that's awesome, man. And you, you have a lot of great products and a lot of great content on your website. So for listeners that, that might want more information or might want programs that you develop, where, where should they go? I mean, I, I know I'm going to post it, but just, it's always good to have you give the, give the, the title of the website in your Instagram. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's my main page is Instagram. And that's, you know, that's where I'm most active. I don't do Facebook and Twitter and YouTube as much anymore. I don't blog as much anymore, but I do want to start blogging again. My blog is brettcontrist.com. Instagram is at brettcontrist1. And uh, that's where you'll find the info. All right. Hey, man, thank you for your time. I know you're busy. I appreciate it. Hey, as I mentioned at the beginning, this was, I, I recorded this on my phone. I have a recording app. So, and I was sitting in my car in a parking lot. It sounded like he was in his car getting, leaving work and going somewhere. So, it, you know, sometimes the quality doesn't matter, but what matters is the content. And what I wanted you to hear was, was to hear kind of like the discussion, again, between two exercise phys geeks kind of geeking out over this. And I really, this conversation in the article that I wrote about the hip thrust, and you can find that article down below, really changed my opinion about this exercise. Initially, I thought it was just a, an aesthetic exercise for Instagram models who want to make their booty pop, which it does. But reading through the research that Brett published about the, the hip thrust, it really, if you're my age, and, and, I, and I'm 50, if you're my age and you still want to get after it with strength training or lower body strength training, but your knees and back are a little funky, the hip thrust is the perfect exercise because you're putting the load into your glutes. You're not compressing the spine. You're not compressing the knees. But the way that the load sits on the glutes, you're optimizing the load and the force profile into the glutes without damaging your knee or lumbar spine or the facet joints and the intervertebral joints in the lumbar spine or the SI joint, the sacroiliac joint of where your spine meets your pelvis. Because doing squats, leg presses, deadlifts, all of those can compress your spine and put more impact force on your knees. But if you're over a certain age, if you still love strength training, if you love getting after it, I highly, highly recommend the barbell hip thrust. And if you're in a gym that has it, the Nautilus glute drive. If you look for the Nautilus glute drive, and, and full disclosure, I am the global master trainer for Nautilus. I'm, I'm kind of on hold now with some of my current job duties with EOS Fitness, but I still am a global master trainer for Nautilus. So there, I do have that connection. But Brett, the Nautilus glute drive was based on Brett Contreras' design for the hip thrust. And if you want to really make your lower body strong, I recommend highly the barbell hip thrust, or if you can find it in your gym, the Nautilus glute drive, which is a safe and effective way to do the hip thrust exercise. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm not trying to, if you want to understand glute training, buy, buy Brett's book, follow him on Instagram. If you want to understand fitness in general, you can buy smarter workouts. If you want to understand how exercise slows, slows down aging, pick up a copy of Ageless Intensity. This is a brief interview. It was originally done for an article I wrote, but it was such a killer interview. I, I wanted to run it on the podcast, and now I wanted to rerun it so that you could listen to it and get a little fired up about going out and training one of the most popular body parts that you can, and that's the glutes. With that, thank you for tuning in. You can reach out to me, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Hey, thanks for listening, and as always, thank you for stopping by. And I do look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.